Welcome back to We Need More, the podcast where we interview leaders, creatives, and trailblazers about how they are changing the narrative in our community. In this week's episode, we interview DJ Economics, a self-taught DJ. We discuss how he developed his passion for music to his entrepreneurial endeavors in coffee. known as DJ Economics. You're by day, like you said, you're Clark Kent. You do what by day? Uh project manager. Project management. IT project management. Sounds like fun. Yeah. By night you are DJ. DJ, DJ Economics. How did you or when did you start becoming a DJ? It's about I would say 5 years ago. 5 Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been that long. Gosh, I feel like I didn't even know. Wait. Five years ago, but you started, but that you must have been quiet about it. Because uh, I, I feel like I didn't find out probably till like maybe like four. I wouldn't say three quiet. Years ago. Um, I was doing a lot of work um, from the beginning, but I, I just didn't. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't advertising myself. What made you get into DJing? Has it? Have you always liked doing this? Has it been a passion of yours? Music has always been a passion of mine. Um, since. I would say back in my, like right before I was 10, Mm -hmm. I really started getting into music. And it was right around a time where um, it was that transition from NWA to like the Bad Boy era. Yeah. And that's when I really started getting into music. Um, Big was one of my first albums that I had on CD. Um, Actually, I'm lying. (laughs) <laughs> the Chronic, Dr. Dre was my first Who let album. You have that? Yeah, my grandfather. <laughs> I, it's a it's, it's a funny story. My my grandfather went out to the record store one day, and this is when everything was on tape. And he asked me, he said, "Well, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want me to go get for you?" And I was yeah. at school, and I said, "Dr. Dre." And he's like, oh, "Okay, Dr. Dre." And he's thinking like it's some Nickelodeon type, you, you know. <laughs> and this is just stuff I'm hearing on the radio. Yeah. So, of course, I know, um, like, Dre Day and all that. I'm listening to all that. So I get the tape. I take it up in my room, and I'm blasting the chronic. And my mom comes home. and What the? Are you listening to? I'm, so I'm like, <laughs> my grandfather got it for me, so I thought it was all right, you know. But this is my first real rap tape <laughs> album that I'm listening to and I only got to listen to it for a day cuz then she sold it to somebody <laughs> so, so then hold on, hold so <laughs> your grandfather went and got yeah Dr. Dre he saw that it said the chronic and was still like mm, but this okay. was before the whole parental advisory stickers and everything so he it didn't know the yeah, it said the chronic yes <laughs> but you have to think it's okay. a 60 year old something man <laughs> You know, born in the 1920s, he really didn't have an idea <laughs> of what he was getting himself into. He must uh, be a doctor. Yeah. This must be some medicinal stuff. I, I definitely set him up. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in Philly. Yeah. I um, My stepmom's from Philly, and when I would go through Philly, Philly has some 
great music. Just mm-hmm. all the even when we went through Philly, um, just this past ho- these past holidays, just Philly has great music. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could turn to any station. Was there any type of music like maybe your parents listened to or um, that you heard on the radio that um, before like the Chronic? that really stuck out to you or like that you still listen to today? Well, I think my parents gave me my background in music. Um, they solidified the foundation for what I'm able to do today because I'm able to go to different venues and just play all types of different music. I mean, when I was growing up, Luther and Stevie was playing on yes. the stereo while my mom was cleaning on Saturdays. I mean, that was it. It was Luther and Stevie. Then my dad introduced me to a different background of jazz. I mean, MJ, yeah. all that, you know, like it was just such a wide variety of music that they put on display for me so that I could put it on display later in my life without even realizing that I had that knowledge of music um, later on in life. It's where the majority of our music originates from that we listen to today. I think everything that you hear on the radio and through um, different artists that are played today, somehow some form of that music is sampled from something from back in the day that we don't even realize. Right. If you go and you look up samples now from music that's played today, it's from something that came from back in the day. I mean, there's so many songs that I've heard today and I'm like, I just hear this one string or this one note and I'm like, that is from something that I've heard a long time ago and I go in and look it up and I'm like, oh man, that's like, that's sample from X, Y, and Z, Earth, Wind, and Fire, or um, I, I, I can't think of like certain artists now, but Everything is sampled that we listen to yeah. today. How did you actually get started in uh, DJing? Like, I remember when uh, Jamal told me that you first got your um, your turntables <laughs> and how hype you were. And he had to, it was like, yo, it was like a little candy store or like Christmas because I felt like you got your turntables and Jamal was like so hyped. Like he had to go to your house so he, he could see what you unwrapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got started in DJing. It was just so random. Um, I think. Me and a mutual friend of ours, we were out one night and we were at a party. And he's like, "Man, you need to start DJing." <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really take him serious. And I was like, "You know what? Just give it a try." You know, I started looking at different equipment and what I could afford at that time. And I was like, "Just get something small because you don't know if you're really going to take on to this or how you're going to feel." And I got my first piece of equipment, and I wound up teaching myself. Just through YouTube, and I think it's something that you really have to have because you have to be able to count music, mm-hmm. and it goes in fours. And if you aren't able to do that, you're not able to blend music together. Um, and it was just something that kind of picked up, and my wife is listening to me, and my friends are listening to me. And these are people who, like, they're not yes men. They're not going to say, oh, that sounds great, and it doesn't sound good. They're going to tell you, oh, I think you need to work on this. And there were times where um, I think I did my first mix, and it was like three hours long. And there were points where some of the things were good, some of the things were great, and some things were just really bad. And you just got to listen to it and really pick up on what do you need to work on, what do you need to do, and then kind of go back and retrain yourself or, or train yourself on how to get better on certain things, different transitions, different music, how to switch genres, when to start and stop, when to mm. do this. Um, and 
that's really how I got into it. Um, and then I did a house party. Um, was that your first gig? That was the first gig. It was a house party on Memorial Day. And the house was flooded. And it just turned out to be like such a organic session of just playing. Was it somebody you knew? Yeah, it was somebody okay. I knew. Um, and it was just, I didn't have a lot of music because I was just starting out. But you just like playing songs and people are feeling it and they're moving. And it's just that feeling you get and you say, you know, I, I'm not there yet, but I can get there. And I think that I was only about three months in mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. You used to get your hair cut not too far from where we were, where we live right now. And dude in the shop got you to play at uh, this local club called V5 around here. Tell me about that experience. I think that that was actually one of my toughest experiences. Okay. Um, and I say that because it brought a lot out of me as far as a DJ. Because that club wasn't just one club. It wasn't just hip-hop. It wasn't just pop. It wasn't just, um, like, any one specific genre. And my friends and I, we joke about it because we call it a rainbow. Because you got to play all different flavors to all different people yeah. um, in one night. And, I mean, you go from starting off with top 40 to pop to hip-hop to reggae to ending the night with latin music you know it 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 really was an experience of how to blend different music together how to transition different music together um so i think that that was a unique experience and that's why i took it on and why i like doing it because it prepared me for a lot of other different venues and clubs Mm -hmm. and private events where you may get a request at that club that you may not have that you didn't even know that somebody was looking for, that you may add to your library and somebody may ask at a different event. Um, So it was really a good, not just starting place, but a place for me to go back and play in between doing other gigs because it allowed me to experience different people and genres and and just cultures in one one environment in one night. Speaking of requests, you mentioned what, is one of the most requested songs that you hate to play. Swag surfing. <laughs> <laughs> By far. Oh, I, I know I know that it's the Negro National Anthem now. Oh, no. Um and <laughs> it's everybody's favorite. Um but you just hear it so much and especially as a DJ. You gotta think that a lot of people either they don't go out every weekend or they don't go to parties as much so they may not hear it so when they go to a club that's the one song that they want to hear that that's going to get everybody hype together that's the one moment that everybody comes together swag surfing <laughs> that's a it, good like it, the dj's about to go to the bathroom song like just put that no on. no no that's not even the bathroom song <laughs> <laughs> that's not even the bathroom song but it's the song that everybody like it's the one moment at a night where everybody just comes together um and it's requested so much that as a DJ, you're like, I hate playing this because it takes away from your creativity as a DJ mm-hmm. or what you may want to do in the night. But you have to play swag surfing at a certain point in the night because you know that it's going to take the party to the next level. So, Creativity as a DJ, what do you mean by that? I mean, I think one of the things that I love about 
myself being a DJ is creating a different experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. Not just going in and hearing some of the same songs. Although you are going to play some of the same songs because that's what everybody wants to hear. I feel like now everybody wants to hear the same songs when they go out. But I feel like being a DJ is being able to create that one moment for somebody in that night where they can say, oh, I haven't heard mm-hmm. that song in a while. Oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't heard this artist in a long time. Or I remember this song from college. Or I remember this song from, you know, back in whatever year. Or it just gives them that feeling. And you want to create that moment right, for somebody or for the crowd. And I feel like you have the ability to do that. But when you go out and, like, you have those songs that are requested so much, you don't have that ability to do that. And I think one of the things that's taking away from that experience is you have certain songs where people want to hear them back to back to back now like sicko mode was the number one requested song of the year i think um and i remember i did a party and the dj before me played sicko mode mm-hmm. i get on they want to hear sicko mode oh my then i by the end of my set they want to hear sicko mode again so you're working in and out of your flow of where you're going where you you think the night should go, but where people want to hear sickle mode again, and you got to transition back into sickle mode and just keep going. Um, so that's just a part of being a DJ. How is that playing after a DJ or in between DJs? Like, what if a DJ, like you just said, plays one of your songs that you had set up for yours? Like that happens, right? Mm-hmm. What? How do you? How do you work with that? You have to be prepared for everything. I mean, you just your library has to be organized. You have to be um, ready to go into a different era, a different genre, um, a different subset of what you thought that you were going to play that night. I mean, you always have to have something in the tuck that's ready to go. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is popular now because there's so much music that was popular years ago that people still want to hear. Um, but if somebody plays the hottest song that's out right now, a couple of the hottest songs, you go into something else or you go in a different lane. Um, I, I think that that's a big part of recognizing. And that, that's another part about recognizing who, um, recognizing who your audience is, is where can I go with this audience that's still going to keep the party um, on that level that you want to keep it for that part of the night. I mean, if you're the opener and the over, or if Let's say you're the middle DJ and the opener plays um, one of the high sickle mode or something else. You got to be able to take the party to a, a, another lane, but still keep it in 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 that area, and then come back to let's say sickle mode or something else, and and keep going. You have any compa? You have any hesha music? I got a little bit. <laughs> I, that's one thing. I you know, I play all over. I play in New York and. Um, I have a lot of Afro beats, yeah. Um, reggae, Haitian music. I haven't really gotten on, to Haitian yeah, you music gotta, you yet. You gotta get the compa up. <laughs> Happened to you? What? So after uh, V Five, what was your biggest? Uh, what was your biggest gig after that? I remember you doing V Five, and then you ended up doing like Forty Forty Club for was it? I don't know what party it was, Halloween. but it was Matt. Yeah, it was. I was like, "What? He got forty forty club." Yeah. For, How did you do that? Forty forty was definitely my biggest at that time. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> it it was a 
it was an experience because I was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> it, can I give some of the story behind it? Yeah. All right. So the World Series was on when the party was getting ready to start. Okay. And the, uh, the Mets were in the World Series that year. Um, so they had to play that game. But everybody's coming in for the party, but there's no music. I'm the opener at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as the game goes off, your job now is to take that party to the next level. There's no more opening. You have to take that party to level 10 because people have been standing around waiting for this game to go off for at least an hour or so. And you now, from zero to 100. Right. Now all eyes are on you. Um, so I, that was a different experience for me and it was, it was a great experience. Um, I really enjoyed that and I was glad that I was able to do that. And I think that party was one of the biggest parties that I've done so far. Um, that was that 4040 night because I think that Halloween party was probably, I don't know how many people were there. Yeah. Um, but I would say if you're talking about my my biggest event that I've done okay. was the Democratic National Convention mm-hmm. party um, for the mayor of Atlanta. One of my best friends from Philly is an event planner, um, and he was doing a party, a welcome party for the city of Atlanta, okay. which the mayor of Atlanta was going to be there. Okay. Um, so there were so many people there. And a funny story about that is he calls me the night before and he's joking with me, but I didn't know it at the time. He says, yeah, Michelle Obama's going to be there. Usher's going to be there. Yeah. So I'm like freaking out. Yeah. You know, the the first lady's going to be yeah. in there and everything. Um, but it turned out to be a really dope event in Philly. And it was good to do that in Philly in my hometown um, with all those people. How how many people were there? Do you know? Uh, I would say there there was maybe in and out about 500 people. 500 people. And then, like, did you keep the party going all night? Like, did yeah, that? Like, yeah, how did from, you... I would say from 9 o'clock to about 2 o'clock. Dang. Yeah. That was all you. Yeah, and there were some congressmen, you know, different um, elected officials that were there from the Democratic National yeah. Party. Um, and that's one of those nights where you have to go into different genres of music different eras of music you have to start off with the old school because a lot of the older crowd is coming early then a lot of the younger delegates are coming later so you you know they're like did you know that before going in there that you needed to have that plethora of music because did you already know that there were going to be different age groups throughout the night yeah i mean you're used to yeah okay I, i think knowing that you're doing a party for one, the city of Atlanta, two, four elected officials for the Democratic National Party. Um, I think you know that in and out through various times of the night that there are going to be um, different errors, different mm-hmm. ages that mm-hmm. are coming through. Um, and normally a lot of your mature crowd comes through early earlier. on. Right. Okay, that's something and that DJ get, should just know. And then you get a lot of your younger crowd. And especially with the Democratic National Convention, there are a lot of parties going on throughout the night. So a lot of people are party hopping. They're going to different right. parties and events and things like that. So you expect that the younger crowd is going to be in there a little bit later. 
um, because they're going to be out a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're starting off with your Stevie and Charlene and then going into Future and, you know, everything like that. So it, it's – and the mayor of Atlanta was really cool. Um he asked for certain songs and yeah. <laughs> certain Atlanta songs, you know. It, 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 like it was, what? Oh, well, I think one of one of the songs he really wanted was Welcome to Atlanta before he did his speech. Yeah, dope. Uh, okay. Of course, of yeah. course. You know, but then you start playing Usher and um, Future and everything yeah. like that. And, you know, people that just... represent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a DJ, have you always been prepared for all the, the shows you've been? No, hell no. Tell me, tell me a, a instance where like maybe Jamise had to bring you something. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this story. I might have, but I mean, what's a what's one of the times that you haven't been prepared and you 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 had to like collect yourself and you you put yourself back on track? Um, haven't been prepared. I think um, one time I was going to an event. And it wasn't that I wasn't unprepared, but I just thought that I had everything that I needed to have. And you go through these times um, occasionally. Um, There was one time where I left my laptop charger at home and I had to call my wife and say, hey, can you drive up to D.C. and uh, bring me my laptop charger? Or, you know, it was one time where I, I left my house and I didn't have my USB cord. Um, so I had to stop at like Best Buy yeah. and go buy a USB cord on my way up to to the gig, you know. Um, but I would think there's there's a couple times where I've had um, steady gigs where I just didn't prepare for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just went in and kind of got a feel for the crowd, and you know, I think one of the things is being a DJ is you have certain I don't want to say certain sets, but you have certain libraries that you go through that you collect like yeah you know if you look through my laptop i have a 90s Mm. library i Mm -hmm. have a a hip-hop now library i have a hits library i have a um down south um you know college library so you kind of already set you get ready for these things ahead of time and then when you get to these events you kind of you you see what your crowd looks like and then you think on your feet. Yeah. So I can go through and look at the crowd and I even have like an opening track library. So I know that if I'm going in here's and they a, rock into here, this. Right, here's a certain subset of songs that I can use to mm-hmm. open with. Um or as the night progresses, um and you get to a certain point in the night. You can say, okay, there's the majority of the crowd here. Here's a list of songs that I can go through and I can play that are hot right now. Or I can go into this bag here because this is 90s R&B. You might have a crowd that rocks to that. Or 90s hip-hop, you know, the Bad Boy, Rockefeller era. Things like that, that you have certain subsets. A Beyonce, a Jay-Z, a Michael Jackson, certain libraries that you can just pick and choose from and say, Okay, I can go here, I can go here, I can go here. Um, And a lot of times I don't even like, not saying I don't like preparing, but I don't like having a set list of what I want to play for a certain event, unless it's a special event, Um, like let's say a wedding Mm -hmm. or a family reunion or um, a certain theme party, you know, like the Hillman, Hillman Homecoming party. 
um, where I can dig into a certain bag that I have. Yeah. And kind of because you already know. Right. You already know what what it is that you're looking what, for. What year was better, the nine nine or the two thousands? Nine nine. The nine nine. Um. <clears throat> DJ Economics, where did you get your name from? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I got my bachelor's in economics. From where? Virginia State University. In the house again. Trojans all day. <laughs> um, shout out to Shaq. <laughs> um, got my bachelor's in economics and then went started working and then got my master's in economics. Um, and then got out and started applying to jobs in economics and realized that nobody was calling me back for an economics position. Um, and it was a little disheartening at first, you know, you spent all this money, you've done all this to get your degree and nobody's calling you back for an interview for anything. Um, but I was working in corporate at the time. So... When I started DJing, one of my close friends, he said, why don't you just name yourself economics because you're so heavily invested into economics. I mean, like, you ask me anything you about- You're going to make this, this, this right, degree I'm, work for you somehow. I'm, I'm going to make this. <laughs> I am going to make this money that I spent that I'm still paying back work for me somehow. <laughs> and it just- you know, it just kind of stuck with me. I, I know I get some looks sometimes like, DJ Economics, like, why, like, why did he name himself that? Why did he call himself that? And Anybody ask you? Um, Nobody really asked me, but, you know, you you like, see the name uh, on a flyer and it's like M-I-X and it's kind of like a play. Who, come, who is this right. I'm going to go see? Right. It's a play mm, It's a play on words yeah. Um, that kind of combines the education with DJing as well. Yeah. Um, And you kind of, you get people that say, Economics, you know, um, that <laughs> I, I, I did, I did get that a lot, um, which is, it, it's very funny, but you know, you, you are who you are and I feel like your name should represent who you are, Yeah, you know, and that's a big part of my life. That's, that's, dope. that's seven years of who I am. So, and, and X amount of money and, yeah. and a lot, a lot of my, <laughs> a lot amount of money. So. Did you seek out a mentor before you started um, DJing? I did. Um, his name is DJ Throwdown. Um, he taught at the Beat Refinery. Oh. Um, so I actually studied under him for, I would say, a couple of months. Um, and then I really started getting into it. And my time started becoming a little bit more limited. So I wasn't able to keep going. Um, and I feel like you do need a mentor to learn certain things, um, especially starting out um, as a new DJ, because you don't know the techniques behind uh, being a DJ and performing and, you know, how to mix and all that. And it's, it's just certain things that you have to learn. And also just taking your time and when you work with experienced DJs, watching what they do not mimicking or imitating but watching what they do mm -hmm. so that you know how to handle yourself in certain situations certain experiences um there's a lot of djs that i watched 
um, just going to gigs and whether they were on before me, on after me, just kind of staying around and watching what they were doing, that helped me tremendously just being attentive and and paying attention to what they were doing. Do you have a favorite DJ in the DMV? Favorite, <laughs> favorite DJ in the DMV. Um, I'll say shout out to DJ Trini. DJ Trini. Shout out to DJ Trini. <laughs> um, there's two. Um, well, there's really three. Okay. One is DJ Reese. I like listening to DJ Reese. Um, the other one is Malcolm Xavier. I like listening to Malcolm Xavier. And the other one is DJ Reds. Uh, Malcolm Xavier's on what? 93.9. DJ Trini was one of the DJs that I started like opening for at, oh, okay. at right, V5. Right. Um, and he's on the radio. He's on 93.9 as well. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the DJs that I opened for my first gig at V5. So he, he Trini? He Trini? Is yeah, that what you yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, so I, you know, I'm I'm really grateful to people who helped me get my start. People who helped me learn, who gave me an opportunity. I'm more grateful to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of DJs. DJ Trini, DJ Active, um, DJ First Choice. These are all DJs that I work with in the very beginning. Yeah. When I was just learning, um, just trying to get my footing, um, and just watching what they do in uh in in at parties. You set the tone for events, for parties, and it's not just parties that we go to on Friday and Saturday night, it's weddings, it's corporate events, it's family reunions. And I also feel like you provide an outlet to some people when they don't even know that they need it. I feel like music is such a way of just letting go sometimes when you're in a tough spot or you've had a hard day at work. You just turn on the radio or, you know, you just listen to music on your way home and it just gives you that free-flowing, you know, open channel that you didn't even know that you had. Um, And I also feel like it allows you to communicate with various people that you didn't even know that you could communicate with. You take one song and everybody across the country or everybody across the world knows it. And that's your way of communicating yeah. through one song. Like, let's take one of the hottest songs of the year, Sickle Mode. You could probably go anywhere in the world. I mean, you just see what Cardi B did in Australia. It was barely any black people <laughs> in the crowd, but they know money. They're all there for the same right. reason, for the same For the mood, same for, reason yeah. that we go to Broccoli Fest or, you know, any other concert here. Yeah. They know the songs, you know, and that's our way of communicating. That's our way of translating where we may not speak the same language. That's the way of making us unified right. through music. Yeah, right. you're right. If somebody is um, trying to come up and be a DJ right now what advice would you give them patience 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 and i that's 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 just not for djing that's for anything patience you're not going to get it overnight you're not going to get gigs overnight this is something that i myself am still working on i need to network better i need to you know be more more of an extrovert when i'm out i'm focused so much on doing my job a lot of times and 
going home that I don't even think to have a conversation with some people that I need to have a conversation with. But it takes a lot of patience, a lot of networking, and a lot of practice. And I would say a lot of practice throughout, but practicing every single day. I mean, for hours in the beginning. Is that what you would do? Like you would work your nine to five, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and then you come home and you would just practice? Set up the turntables and practice. How did you make that? How did you balance out like your work life, your DJ life, your, your husband, wife life? Your your friend's life. How did you make make that uh balance work out? That's a that's a good question because I would say one of the best things about my experience is that I have a wife who loves music too, so that part of the equation kind of brings itself together. Where work is work, and then DJing is DJing, and you just separate those two. You have your nine to five, and then you go DJ somewhere, or you DJ on the weekends. But my wife has been at a lot of my events. Yeah. Um, and she's been probably my number one fan through mm. this whole thing. Uh. At V5, we had one situation where there was a girl who wanted to hear a certain song um, throughout the night. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's uh, Quavo and another guy. It's a pop song. Um, and it's a really popular song. But I just wasn't there at that point in the night. It was like really early and you're just kind of working people up. You still have, I mean, at that point in the night, it's a restaurant too. So there's kids in there and you just want to play certain songs. Um, And she was hammered. She's drunk and she's in front of the DJ booth. And this DJ booth is in the middle of everything. Right. You're secluded, but you're not secluded. And anybody. Easily accessible. Right. Easily easily accessible. And she's pounding on on the DJ booth. Oh. You didn't play my song. You didn't play my effing song. Ah. So my wife is kind of standing behind me, and she doesn't know that that's my wife. Yeah. I mean, so my wife is giving her the eye. <laughs> so. Um, no, it's like the full eye. It's not even right, the side eye. Right, the like full the eye. So she walks away. She walks away, and then she comes back. And my wife just comes up to the DJ booth and she's like, "You need me to handle this?" And I'm like, "No, nah. <laughs> like I got it, I got it." Yo, you know, but that, say yeah, that. she said that. No, but you know, that's the definition of a ride or die right there. <laughs> she said that? Yo, yo, you need me to handle this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sure that's not the first story we will hear. That's not the first it's time. Not the last won't time. be the last time. You went to go see. I don't know who you went to go see. Somebody about hey, I'm I'm trying to be a DJ. And I have, I've heard this from you and I've heard this from other DJs where a mentor or somebody will be like, uh, you go YouTube it and then you come back to me once you learn how to DJ. Yeah, you get to run around <laughs> sometimes. Um, but you said YouTube worked. Yeah, I mean, just when you speak about the fundamentals uh-huh. and what you really need to know down to the tech, the techniques, it's mixing, mm-hmm. knowing how to mix knowing how to count music, and really those are, and knowing your equipment. Knowing, like, can I just take my um, iPhone and, and plug it up and be and be a DJ? Nope. Oh, what do I need? <laughs> I'm not going to give you all that. What do I, no, I got to Google but it now. That, but there's certain, certain softwares, there's equipment that hooks up to certain softwares that you need. You need turntables, or sometimes there's, all in ones, which you call controllers. Why? Why do I need turntables? Like, can you still do the flicker, flicker, flicker thing? 
today? The scratching, right? Yeah. You can still do that on the, these new turntables? Yeah. But you need you need certain equipment and software. Um, and you need to know how to mix. And you need to know how to count music. And you need to know how to work your software. That's okay. one of the biggest things is knowing how to Read work your manual. software. And I, <laughs> I say that because you have to go to some of these clubs and you don't know what they have. Uh, so you know how you have to, to know to how to work various equipment, you know. Like, do you need to adapt to it or do you need to be prepared to tell them this is what I need to DJ? At? You're, you're shaking your head now. No, they tell you what they have. Oh. And sometimes, hey. you know, some DJs, they bring their own equipment yeah. in or... You know, you go in and you... You work with what they got. I like to call ahead. I call ahead and I ask what the club has, yeah. what their what their standard setup That's is, advice. and then, okay. you know, go from there. But you, you have to know how to work different equipment. Mm-hmm. And you have to have certain equipment to work the different equipment as well. Yeah, tell me about the time you had to use somebody else's laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was at the 4040 and... When we were speaking about equipment, you know, not working or using another uh, club's equipment, my laptop wouldn't connect to that club's equipment. So I had to use the DJ before me. I had to use his laptop. Um, How did that conversation go? (laughs) Well, he he offered. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, "Uh, I see you. uh, You're struggling. struggling You you need some help. (laughs) So, I had to use his laptop at that time, um, and it's just a it's a part of knowing your libraries, your sets, what you do, um, and the venue. But at this point, this is not even your library or anything of yours. But I was still using my laptop. Oh, how? I was using his laptop at the time. He has his library set up differently than mine, but I know how my sets normally go. So I'm looking at the songs on my laptop and pulling them oh, up on his okay. while I'm playing. Okay. Oh, man. You had to improvise quick. Very quick. Two-hour set. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that, 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 was, um, that was probably one of my most difficult sets because you don't have you were sweating. your... No, nah, I wasn't sweating. Oh, you was just cool the whole time? I felt like your wife is over here telling me, yeah, you was sweating. She wasn't even there. You know, that, that that was a time where you had to improvise and you had to go back and forth. I'm looking at my laptop. I'm looking for a certain song that I would normally play in this certain set or at this time and going back on his laptop and finding it. Um, some things he may not have had or, you know, we may have had them in different places yeah. or under different, you know, titles or whatever. So you're just kind of playing around and, and finding things. It may have taken me a little bit longer to transition songs than I normally would, but you know I'm still working within what I have, and that's just it's just a part of improvising. And you know, as as the old saying goes, the show must go on. Yeah. Nobody's gonna care whose laptop you're working on. Like, for. um, where's the music? Right at the end of the night, nobody. Who is this DJ? Exactly. At the end of the night, nobody's gonna say, "Oh, he was working off of somebody else's laptop." No. This DJ Economics. <laughs> Get them out. <laughs> um, where do you see DJ Economics in five years? Um, I see myself transitioning um, 
from more so a lot of the club gigs, um, club jobs, to maybe just kind of doing the private events. Okay. Um, and I say that because... Y'all better get him now because he about to be real exclusive. <laughs> well, one one thing that I've learned throughout working is that it takes seven streams of income to become a millionaire. And you can't just devote your entire time to one thing. Right now, I'm at two. Um, well, three if you include like certain other things. But... Um, you, certain you, other things you mean real estate like just investments you know investments, yeah, yeah investments but you can't you can't just limit yourself and right now I feel like I have felt like it's become the Clark Kent and the Superman part of my incomes mm-hmm. you know and I don't want it to just become that. I want to venture off into other things. Yeah. Which requires more time. It requires more time. Other ventures like what? Well, I think one of my real passions, other than music, is coffee. Coffee. Yeah. How'd you get in? How'd you How'd you get into coffee being a passion? Well, I started working at Starbucks at the age of sixteen. I was eighteen. That was my first yeah. real real job. So I learned all of the ins and outs of. The coffee business. Did you have to go through the training where yeah. they made you for a whole week mm-hmm. be a coffee connoisseur? Yeah, barista. And say, because they don't do that to everybody that works at Mm-mm. Starbucks today. They were basically like training you to be a like a manager so you could taste the coffee, know where in the world it comes from, where it, what it pairs. It's like being a wine connoisseur, what it pairs well with, right. like in terms of food and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, so they train you to be a barista and all that and how to make. Certain drinks, espressos, yeah. frappuccinos, how to store yeah, the store the coffee at a certain temperature for how long. That became one and of the infiltration. That's why Starbucks has the best water. If you get tap water from somewhere, go to Starbucks. I'm, they filter it three times. I am not as big a fan of Starbucks as a lot of other people are, though. But you got your start there. But um, why, why is that? Uh, it's because I've tasted so many other yeah. different types of coffee from around the world that I don't think Starbucks compares to Starbucks a lot of is very acidic. Yeah, a lot of t- a lot of the other uh coffees that come from other places. Like where? Where's your favorite place to get coffee? <sighs> Man, Cuba. Cuba? For real? Yeah. Oh, that I mean, you know what I thought you were going to say? Like I thought you were going to say like Costa Rica. Or something like that, but Costa Rica, uh, Costa Rica, and Italy oh, are my runners up. I didn't up. even know yeah. Italy because this dude, we go to his house and he's been to Cuba back and forth. I feel like he just goes to Cuba for the coffee and the cigars, but he has stacks and stacks. And first of all, the coffee in Cuba is cheap. You can get mm-hmm. mad coffee for cheap, right. but he had stacks of coffee. I felt like he dedicated one suitcase just to bring coffee back. Right. <laughs> I, that, that's Did me. you really? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, See, I, I was just making that up, no, but that no, really no. happened. <laughs> no, I have, I have, I, I take an extra duffel bag when I've gone, and it's just to take coffee bags back with me. Wow. We got to the airport in Fort Lauderdale, and one of the TSA agents he breaks open my bag, and he's like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "It's coffee." So he slashes one of the bags, <gasps> and he's like, 
Oh, it is coffee. He's like, you mean to tell me this is really all coffee? Oh, he's like, snap. He's like, are you starting a store? I was like, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Be like, not yet. that's a good idea. Yeah, not yet. That's a that great a idea, idea but not yet. No, this is just for me. Yo, yeah. he slashed it like it was like cocaina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, there's, there's no way somebody could be bringing eight bags it's of coffee no back. <laughs> Yo, he only slashed one bag open now? One bag. Oh, I got okay. lucky and I had to tape it back up. Sheesh. <laughs> he thought he was, he thought he was, he thought today was his day. Yeah, he today, thought today he was going to get you. That was his day, the big bust. My, I think my dream is, one, to have my own shop. Yeah. I mean, if I can franchise it, great. If not, oh well. Um, but it's to have my own shop, my own business, something to fall back on. What's the vibe in your in this coffee shop? Chill, real chill. Um, got, are you talking about like couches? Are you talking about like people smoking like weed, man, and just chilling out? I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say. I, I would. I what wouldn't, kind of chill we talking about? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say weed because I want. I want to incorporate everybody. I want, you know, I want families. Yeah. I want people who just want a place to relax. Um, but you can just imagine walking in and hearing. Jill Scott, yeah, you know, like just playing in the background. Another film. Very, chick. very fresh, very fresh, refreshing um, type of environment and atmosphere, um, and having the ability to provide different coffees from around the world. Mm. And I think one of my goals is to not only just open the shop, but to firsthand travel and experience different growers or um, farmers yeah. of coffee from around the world so that I know firsthand what type of coffee I'm putting in my shop and that I'm I'm selling to my customers. Yo, that's dope. And then you can write that off on your taxes. like That too, expenses. yeah. Expenses. Of like, course. Yeah, I have to travel again <laughs> to, you know, Cuba. So, so that's, that's the goal, I think, when you talk about where do I see DJ Economics in five years? Yeah. Scaling back, still having that outlet being able to provide that experience for different events but also creating another stream of income and creating a new, a new platform for myself which is starting the coffee shop how do i do that maybe in smaller steps like i've started looking at smaller roasters where i can start roasting my own coffee um getting coffee beans from different countries i've started looking at um Jamaica Blue from um, Jamaica, of course. Yeah. Um, you got Colombia. You got Costa you can't Rica. Costa Rica is, is is a top one. Now I heard that Italy like, coffee that is, and and I don't know if I heard it from you or or someone from from the job, but I heard that like coffee that that's grown close to volcanoes are like well that, that coffee's good. It's where the air is the purest. Oh. Um, and you have a good mixture of warm and moist air. Mm. So when we went to Cuba, and this is why I say it's one of the best coffees or beans that I've ever tasted in my life, is because we went to Vinales, which is the countryside in the mountains, yeah, where they grow yeah. a lot of the coffee there. We got our uh, cigars from there. The cigars, yeah. too. And, and a lot of the cigars and coffee are made in yeah. some of the same areas because... The air is so clean, it's pure, um, and it's at a certain point where you're kind of in the mountains, but you're not like yeah. high up yeah. where they grow it, that it 
just provides that perfect atmosphere for the perfect coffee bean. Um, and you just get a different taste, a different flavor from those type of coffees. That's really dope. Like, um, I think we really do need more um, black-owned coffee shops like that. I mean, especially since uh, the height of what happened at Starbucks in Philly. And you're from Philly. Yeah. We went to Pennsylvania so that we could go visit this bookshop. We went uh, twice and um, bookshop, coffee shop. It's real comfy. They had a children's section. They had, like, whole bunch of black book section. Um, and they serve, like, some coffees. I didn't have any coffee. They served teas. Jamal had the tea, um, hot chocolate, and like some pastries and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, so in the height of like stuff like what what what's happening at uh, Starbucks, I think like having a place like what you're describing that's all inclusive is um and for families is really what we need right now. What um what do you think? we need more of in our community? I think we just need more of our own. When you go outside and you put your clothes in the cleaners, who's it normally owned by? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When you go to uh, get your food, you know, in your neighborhood, who's it normally owned by? Yo, where are these black-owned cleaners? Like... <laughs> Hit us up and let us know. Where are these black-owned cleaners? We need to know. Where are these black-owned grocery stores? Right. I think I read something today where um, the Asian dollar is circulated in the community, I think, for 29 hours after it's spent, where the Jewish dollar is spent, or is circulated 16 hours after it's spent. The black dollar is circulated six hours after it's spent in the same community. So we have one of the largest purchasing powers, mm. but we have one of the smallest powers when it comes to circulating money in our own community. And it's because we don't have a lot of our own. So I think everything that we do from having coffee to having our own cleaners, our own laundromat, yeah. our own gas stations, things like that, just little things that we don't think about, our own grocery stores on a day-to-day basis um, that we do. Um, play a big role in our society and what we need more of in order to advance ourselves. Um, so do I think that coffee plays such a large role? Um, not necessarily. It's a start. It's a start though. Right. I mean, we are doing it. I think we just need to do it on a bigger scale. Right. Right. Like we do have some representation. I think that we need more representation, which is why we named this podcast what it's named. Right. Uh, we need our kids to see more. We need our generation to see more. We just need to inspire more, right? Right. I mean, we, we when you look at certain things that we're doing now, we have a lot of black fitness trainers. We don't have a lot of black gyms. Yeah. You know, things like that, that we are really starting to advance ourselves in, that we're starting to get more progressive in, working out, becoming healthily, uh, you know, healthy conscious um doing certain things we need more of that in our communities Mm -hmm. where we go out every day you know in the neighborhood that i grew up in there's a chinese store there's a cleaners and that's pretty much in a laundromat yeah and it's all asian owned yeah you know nothing is black owned so I, I think we just need more of everything in our communities and we need to start reinvesting in our own communities as well 
speaking of investments, I was reading yesterday and I said to Jamal, it's like, I'm going to open up a bank account with Industrial Bank. Mm -hmm. Y'all, y'all know who the, what mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. So I was reading about Industrial Bank. My um, great uncle opened up an account with Industrial Bank and then passed it over to, he passed away. So then the account stayed open with my mom, my stepmom, um, again, who's from Philly. And um, he opened his up in D.C. And I just learned yesterday that um, Industrial Bank opened in 1983 and has been around since then. But it is the last black-owned bank that's open. But lucky for us, it's in this area, in the DMV area. There are eight banks that are open in D.C. and Maryland. So mm -hmm. I was like, just randomly, I said to him, I'm going to open up a bank account in, at Industrial Bank. Okay, Who was right. one of your biggest influencers throughout your DJing career? Um, I would say one of my biggest influencers or supporters would be my best friend that I grew up with, uh, Javon. He, like I said before, is an event planner, but he has also booked me for a lot of events. Um, oh, okay. Um, and, you know, one of the most personal ones that he had me do was he had me DJ part of his wedding. Um, okay. So, you know, that was, that was, that was pretty big, especially when, you know, you're the best man and then he asked you to go up and do it. Wait, 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 you had double duty. Yeah, I had double duty. <laughs> I, I, you had to come up with the speech. Yeah, I was You working, had to travel. I was working double DJ. time. You know, I, Yo, had to, I had to hold the ring. You a Had to do the speech. And then he's like, yeah, why don't you just go up and, you know, DJ a couple songs. So I, I did that as well. Um, but, you know, that goes into other events that we've done together from Hillman Homecoming to the Democratic National Convention to Halloween at the 4040 to, you know, just a lot Yo, of you do other up for a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it's it's always good, you know, when you have that support system, especially people who have had your back for a long time who still continue to support you, especially from, you know, going back to high school um, on through college, through, you know, adulthood. Uh, somebody who's listening who may want to get into this industry. Don't change who you are. Be yourself. You know, um, there there have been times and there have been struggles where you kind of look around and you're like, damn, do, like, do I need to adjust who I am, what my personality is, because I need to fit into a certain mold or I need to fit into a Yeah. Your audience is going to find you. They're going to like who you are. Mm. Don't deny that because then you're going to lose what made you what you are, that gave you your creativity. Don't adjust who you are. Mm -hmm. Stay the course. Be yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, your product is a reflection of who you are. And you want it to speak for who you are. Um so I would just say if there's somebody that's listening that's thinking about getting into DJing or that's contemplating it or listening to this to take some advice, once you get in, be yourself. That's Stay real. the course. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. So now that you're here and you can define yourself in one word, I need you to say into the mic, we need more blank. We need more entrepreneurs. All right. Thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode four of We Need More. 
You can find BJ Economics on IG, as well as his new business, Park Station Coffee. Make sure you subscribe to We Need More. And if you like the show, leave a review. Follow us on IG to get exclusives on our guests and upcoming guests. Thank you for your support as we continue to change the narrative.